Welcome to What's Your Hustle? In this episode, I had a chat with a guest that I've known for over 20 years. Even though our paths have taken us to different places, I could not be more proud of the path that they have been on. Larissa is the co-founder and part owner of Rhythm FX, an agency that provides everything from dance classes to experiential marketing. In our conversation, we break down the pride and struggles of owning a business, the drive for a change within the dance community, and the personal growth that she has gone through and continues to go through. So let's get into it. Here's What's Your Hustle, Rhythm FX, with my guest, Larissa Kovalenko. Hey listeners, it's Halima with What's Your Hustle, and my guest today is a Long-time friends, <laughs> literally over 20 years, Larissa Kovalenko. Hey. How are you? I'm good. Thank yeah. you for having me on, and it's just so surreal. Yeah. It, feels, it just feels like just yesterday we were, like, making music videos in my parents' basement. Or, like, like watching Charmed. I watching was, Charmed. Watching Charmed. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, also remembering, like, in the fourth grade, we would do, like, little performances, and, um, Bruce Lee had, like, a balloon on his head and was shaking it with static, and it made me laugh during our performance, and I was like, oh, yeah, the things you remember. I'm pretty sure I have, like, a photo album of when we would do photo shoots of, like, stylized photo shoots of, like, being in our band. Yes. And, like, posing, like, all cool, like, we were in a magazine. Oh, my God. I was at my parents' house yesterday, and I was, like, trying to find these photos of, like, us in my old bedroom with, uh, with Catherine, and I'm, like, I'm sure I have them somewhere. I am pretty sure I know where they are. (laughs) I'm gonna find them next to my parents' house, and I will send them to you. So this is here because she is co-founder of a company, Rhythm FX. 10 years old. Yeah. Roughly around there. Around around 10 years old now. Yeah, it's been been a journey. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exciting journey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've had a lot of, like, some of the best memories in my life have come from having this company, and some of the best friendships in my life have also, I think, been sustained by having this company, which I think is just interesting and different. For yeah. being an entrepreneur, but yeah, it's been it's been around. Yeah, <laughs> for as long as I've known you, you've been dancing, and mm-hmm. to see you create a company out of something that you love and is passionate about, I honestly could not be more proud. <laughs> I'm like, she's doing the damn thing, and that is it's truly, honestly, amazing to me. Every time that I run into you, whether you're performing at a nightclub or you're recently you were performing at. Um, Summer Jam that they had here for Play 107 yeah. uh, in support of Fruit Loop. And I was like, yes, she's doing it. I'm so, like, I was, cause, because of COVID, you're like, you never know what is going to happen. Like, can I perform? Can I go out even? Like, yeah. we partied in our cars and like. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, we did. We honked the horns and we partied in our cars. And just to see you do your thing and still try like, I'm very proud of you. Thank you. I'm very proud to, like, be in your realm for the past over 20 years. And it's it's incredible to see you grow. Thank you. It's really interesting thinking about how so many of the things we did when we were kids that we just, like, played around with. Yeah. Like, kind of grew into my career, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you're living the dream. Like, <laughs> we would 
Oh my god, our recesses were for a time. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there was a tape recorder involved almost every oh, single time. Probably. <laughs> and then it makes me also think, like, from myself coming from a household where I remember having the conversation with my parents, like, why didn't you put me in dance? Because I loved it because, like, you would do it. And I was like, my friend's doing it. I want to do it too. But, you know, my parents were very much Muslim girls don't go into stereotypical mm-hmm. dance and yeah. hip hop and jazz and ballet and stuff. So, that part of me, I found, kind of suppressed itself until I got older and I was like, I'm just going to dance in my bedroom and I'm going to buy a house and I'm going to dance in my living room and I'm going to post it to Instagram. So it's just getting to that point where you're like, I'm going to do what I want to do now is like, it's never, for me, it's never too late. And you would think that it is, but honestly to you guys, it's never too late to start living your dream at all. Whether it's- you grow with it, or it's a new dream, it's never, ever too late. It's really not. Just get moving. Get moving. Just start by get, getting, <laughs> if you can, if you're able, and if you're not, but just move in how you can. And even just if you, like, visualize it, sometimes that's even better. Yeah. So. Put it on your little board. Everybody's made a little board once and twice in their life, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah. What is the origin story of Rhythm Ethics? Um... It's, it's just so funny to think back on. Um, I remember being 15, 16 years old, and I was dancing at a local hip-hop studio, and my business partner, wasn't my business partner yet, but a girl in the studio approached me, and she's like, hey, like, this is so random, but we have a gig, like, this weekend, do you want to do it? And I was like, okay, I'm like 15, what's this game? And I was like, yeah, she's like, okay, it doesn't matter, you're fine. And I was like... Okay, but what is this gig? She's like, oh, you're going to be like a go-go dancer at a nightclub. And I was like, okay, like, what do I have to wear? Like, what is it? She's like, no, it's cool. Like, we're going to wear, like, big baggy pants and, like, sports bras and, like, Air Force One kicks and, like, snapback hats and, like, we're just going to dance. We're going to go 90s and we're going to dance. Hella 90s and we're going to dance. And she's like, I paid $50 an hour. And I was like, get the fuck out. When you're 16. (laughs) When you're 16, you're like, that's a lot of money. Um, I mean, that's still a lot of money for some dancers when you think about it. But um, so that sort of blossomed from, I'd say, 15 to about 20. I was taking different gigs that were coming my way from... Um, different kind of event managers and choreographers and just people that I was meeting. It's a small city. There wasn't a lot going on, but there, there was opportunity and I was getting a lot of it. But I was not being treated well at all. Mm-hmm. I was being taken advantage of. I was being made to feel really uncomfortable and really unsafe. Um, there was really ever rarely consent asked of me before... Um, embarking on certain events or wearing certain costumes, um, a lot of miscommunication, a lot of having to chase money, um, just a lot of drama. Mm-hmm. And it made me just want to cut out the middleman and cut out the, the shit and do it on my own. Yeah. And I remember getting an opportunity from a DJ to provide entertainment for a corporate event that he was DJing at and he was like hey you dance like do you want to do this like do you have any other dancers and I was like oh you're asking me like you're not asking any of these other big names in the city of people who are doing like event talent like yeah "Yeah, okay I can do this and then it was like a couple of months later I had a nightclub reach out to me being like hey do you want to dance at our nightclub and like can you find some other dancers and I was like oh okay 
Sure. Yeah. And on top of that, I had also always just wanted a space as a, like, fan-presenting person to dance with people who made me feel safe and train. Mm -hmm. Train primarily, because a lot of my dance training from, like, 15 to 20 at this hip-hop studio, it was co-ed, there was some heteronormativity that didn't feel good. There was just some stuff that didn't feel safe. Mm -hmm. And all I wanted was to be surrounded by like-minded people. So after those kind of two things happened, and at the same time I was craving like just wanting this community of like women at the time um, to work with, I sort of sat down at my friend, aka now business partner's table, and I was like, I have this idea. Yeah. Like, what if we start this, like, company? And this is my vision. And she was like, yeah, done. She's like, I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. And that, 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 that was, was it. it. And that was it. And then it just kind of organically... <laughs> took off from there. Took off and, like, went on this wild, roundabout, crazy, like, Lord of the Rings style journey. Yeah. <laughs> It's evolved and changed so many times and it's still evolving and still changing, but yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's so your inspiration even for it was, no, I'm going to be my independent self and just do it. I wanted, like, community and yeah. I wanted autonomy. Yeah. I did not want some dude telling me what to do. I didn't want some some person being like, hey, um, I need you to be here at this time and I'm making money off of you, but I'm going to yeah. pay you next to nothing. Right. And you're going to have to hurry up and wait and you're going to have to just wear whatever I give you wear. Like, I just didn't want to experience that anymore. And yeah. I could see how those experiences were also impacting other dancers being powered. They also weren't feeling safe. They were also feeling taken advantage of. So Absolutely. I was like, okay, I'm going to see if I can like learn from all of your mistakes yeah. and do better for myself and for anybody who wants to jump along on my train. Which is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> now, I mean, we've had me too. And especially oh, yeah. in this industry, I'm oh, yeah. very sure, like, especially at a young age where you were just like, someone is telling, someone is taking advantage of a child, essentially. And you're like, no, I'm not about that. I'm not going to do that. This is, we are taking care of people in our dance community. And that's what we need to stand for. Yeah. And it just, it's looking back now on some of the things that, I experienced and that I directly witnessed like I wish that during that time this like call out and call in and cancel but I don't like the cancel culture I think it's problematic just gonna say that um I wish that that existed I wish that there was more of an opportunity to stand up for yourself then but at the same time not having that did teach me so much like all of that hardship and all of those missteps and all of that mistreatment taught me so much about myself and like what really matters and really yeah. strengthen like my core values um but damn did it suck <laughs> damn some, some of that shit some of that shit sucked what is it um there's always this I, I tend to quote Beyonce a lot in my podcast. <laughs> um, what did she say? She said, independence ain't easy. This was around when she was doing four, and she came out when she first started doing her documentaries for her, her, her music, and she was like, you know, the hair has to be great, the song has to be good, all this blah, 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 and she was like, independence is not easy. 
It's really not. Independence and like success and autonomy and like leadership is some of the hardest shit I've ever embarked upon. But like once you start going down that road, like you just can't go back. You can't so, stop. It's no. like ingrained in you yeah. to keep going because like you've fought for this no matter how long you fought for it or how big it is, how small it is. It's something that is yours and you're literally fighting restless nights, mm-hmm. tears, tiredness, and you can't stop it. Why would you stop? Because you're doing a disservice to yourself and to those around you if you did stop. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that you say that because I feel like especially in the last two years, like, it has really dawned on me that this community that I've created is now so much larger than me and that when I make decisions, I cannot make decisions necessarily just based off of myself. I really have to look out for the good of everyone around me and also now in the last year, everyone who also wants to hop on this train with me that that's really shifted a lot of like my decision making and like it's made me be a lot slower in being like okay how can I do this right yes I don't I don't I can't screw up like years ago I feel like I could have screwed up because I had a really close-knit community and it's like I was more human but now I feel like as things get larger I feel like I'm almost a little bit less human Mm -hmm. and it it just affects so much more than me Mm -hmm. so when was your first performance not when we were kids. That's like, <laughs> oh my god, I'm not going to ask you to go deep with that. But when you owned your own with Rhythm FX, when you were like, this is mine and this is my first performance, I'm. what was the emotion that you went through? So I feel like I could, I could have two answers for this. So like my first like performance underneath my company would have been that like corporate gig back probably like 12 years ago it was in city center mall oh, city i don't even, it was literally in city center mall like in like that big pedway where like the tim hortons is they had like all these random booths and stuff set up and like lights and a cocktail bar and like a dj and then they had like dancers do a thing but that was just any old gig yeah. right i think the first performance where i was like okay, damn, I created something. I've created a company and this is the thing and we're getting momentum. Probably would have been the first year that we did Chasing Summer, which would have been six years ago. Um, Prior to that, we had really just been performing at um, nightclubs and like casinos and we got the odd sort of corporate gig. Um, But when we landed that festival, that was like, oh shit, okay. We, this is a big opportunity. And I remember walking out on stage and there being like 13,000 people in front of me and I stopped for a second and I was like, Oh, okay, here we go. Um, that was, that was a, a, it hit different. Yeah. That, um, that was probably like the most memorable, like first big, like, okay, this is something. Yeah. And this is getting traction. And I did this. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, that, that was different. I mean, that was the one that, that, that just really sticks with me. Like mm-hmm. we had done, I think a couple of like smaller bootang shows before that. And like, I remember dancing the first like major artist I got to dance on stage beside was Avicii. Uh, and amazing. we got booked like two days before the show. 
we were told, like, white costumes. Oh, and you're also going to be dancing in giant inflatable flowers, and there might be trampolines. We don't know yet. There's a whole circus you haven't trained for. Good luck. Like, literally, my business partner and I looked at each other. We were like, um, yeah, okay, we can, yeah, yeah, we can do this. Trampolines, yeah, white, yeah, 48 hours, like, inflatable flowers. Yeah, we got this, no problem. But really, we're both like, holy, what the, what are we going to do? Um, but we, we threw costumes together, and we got up there, and we realized that nobody could see us from, like, the bottom of our ribs down, and so it was a lot of arm dancing. And I'm pretty sure I couldn't lift my arms for, like, four days after that show. Amazing. But it, that was also, like, a really, like, oh, damn, like, this is cool. Like, I want yeah. more of this feeling. Like, I, you feel so powerful. Yeah. You feel commanding. You feel in charge. You feel so authentically you because when you're up there, it's like there's no choreography. I mean, now we sometimes do choreography, but then there was no choreography and you had no idea what the music was going to be. Mm-hmm. Like, you could be familiar with the DJ, but they could pull out a set completely different than their normal and when I have those moments. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Rhythm Effects not only dances, you guys also provide, how would you call it? You would find Like, three years, we kind of refined ourselves to be like, we do events, we do experiential marketing, and we do entertainment. Okay. We were like, the three E's. Like, yeah. that can be our overarching thing. So... Um, if we rewind to like our first kind of two years of being, um, a company, uh, we weren't really making any money at all. And at the time I was still living at home. I was going to university. So I was kind of okay with that because I was really like the dance side of it was, that was what I cared about. But my business partner was just in a different financial situation. Mm -hmm. So she was like, let's do brand ambassadors and experiential marketing and I had actually received an opportunity to um, work for an agency out in Vancouver a few months before she had put this kind of thing out on the table for us with our company. And I was like, I literally just turned down like a really good paying job in Vancouver to work in experiential marketing. And now you want to start an experiential marketing business from the bottom up. Okay. Right. Um, I was really resistant. I had no interest in kind of starting that chapter but she was like nope let's do it I'll take it on like this can be my part of the company and then you can continue handling the dance and right. entertainment side and so it it worked because there was so much crossover for our staff like at the end of the day people just want to make money mm-hmm. and they want to make money in ways where it's fun and it's safe and where they get to make friends and so it was a great way to get our dancers paid when they couldn't dance yeah and so it ended up being really kind of full circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a time now with COVID, how have you been able to maneuver it? Because quite everything literally shut down. I mean, like, we haven't. No, we, we, well. have, we have in, like, different ways. So yeah. obviously the event side of our business has dissipated. Because events yes, aren't really... for right now. Yeah, it hasn't happened. And people who are hosting events don't have budgets. They don't have any money or any capital. So it's like, let's do this for the community. Let's do this for morale, which I think is great to a certain extent, but can also be problematic because at the end of the day, your time and your energy needs to equal money. Mm -hmm. It does. Yep. It just does. It does. Um, I was able to, so the first kind of like March, April of COVID, I, I 
I hermited. I think like most people did yeah. that could, that were able and had, it out. Yeah, yeah, that had a safe space to be and to live. Like I just tucked myself into my little burrito on my couch and I was like, all right, this is where I'm going to be. But then my feet got kind of itchy and I was like, okay, like I should be teaching. Like this is how I can get back to my community right now. So mm-hmm. I started virtual dance classes and I had to teach myself Zoom and try and kind of figure it out. And I did a pay what you can structure. Okay. And I actually made more money teaching dance virtually on a pay what you can structure during a global pandemic than I'd ever made teaching in my life. Yeah. Which is kind of mind boggling and kind of shows like the solidarity in which like insular kind of communities can mm-hmm. support each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt very, very privileged and honored that like so many people wanted to continue to train and learn under me and that even if it was just small amounts of money that it added up to be like, okay, like our business is going to be okay. Like at least we have some money coming in for our business. Um, moving forward, I really don't know. And, and that's okay. Yeah. It's really okay. I really don't know (laughs) what it's going to look like in the next year or two in terms of events. Like I personally don't feel comfortable teaching in a studio setting right now I will take class but I don't want to be the one liable or responsible Mm -hmm. for getting anyone sick right so I'm not teaching for a while um same thing kind of with experiential marketing as well um we've tried to sell some promotional modeling experiential marketing Mm -hmm. services to some clients but again like COVID really decimated people's budgets because yeah. all of a sudden companies were like, no, we got to hold on to this because we don't know what's going to happen for us in the next three to five years. Absolutely. And it's, 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 it's a time of uncertainty mm-hmm. for everyone. Yeah. For all the small businesses, all the entrepreneurs, it's like a time where been doing things like pay as you go, it's, it does help out small businesses a ton. Yeah. And to my listeners here in Edmonton and all around the world, wherever you are, <laughs> just if you can find like your local, whatever it do, if you take dance to work out, if you take other things, if you take meditation, yoga, even a mental health facilities that offer therapy online, like Take advantage of it. Get off Amazon and get into your local community. Absolutely. Like, I get that there's a convenience factor, but, like, let's support our local economies and our local craftsmen and our local service providers over big corporations. Because when the day does come, and I'm holding out the optimism that the day does (laughs) come, and we do need... Experiential marketer. Thank you. Yes. I know. It's weird. It's such a long, long job. When the day does come, we'll need that to celebrate reopening. And we will need, like, more performances. And we will need, like, just to have this big party. Yes. To celebrate, like, we overcame this this time where it was scary. It was nerve-wracking. It was uneasy. It Mm. was a lot of soul-searching for a lot of people. And... You know, it's it's a thing that will be celebrated, but in order to do that, we need to definitely support our local businesses for sure and keep us going. Absolutely. And it's, you said it so great. Like, there is so much uncertainty. Like, who knows what events are going to look like in the next couple of years. But when they do come back, even if it's not the same, 
if we all come at it with the same amount of heart and enthusiasm and like all this pent up energy, like it's going to be amazing no matter what it is. Absolutely. And we just, we just need to be together again. (laughs) (laughs) What has been your favorite thing about performing? Okay. So this thing happened. And like, I swear to you, there were tears behind my sunglasses. And even tonight, like I took this phenomenal dance class and there was like, as soon as she let the music kind of roll because we had learned most of the choreography before she played the track and it was rock, it was like Rock Your Body by Justin Timberlake yeah. and we ran it through one time and by the end of it I'm like I want to cry like Aww. this is just I think that is my favorite part about performing is that when all the stars align and like your body gets to move and you feel it is euphoria yeah. when your body's cooperating and the music is great and you're just being, you're able to emote and express yourself with so much control. Yeah. It, it's like you get to release all your sadness, your happiness, your anger, everything all in one moment. And it just, I'm a super empathetic, like sensitive person. And it just literally makes me want to cry like Uh, the most satisfying tears. (laughs) It's like when and you, especially as a performer and a dancer, you being in that moment and feeling that is that. But for, like, for outsiders, I know for me to see, like, a beautiful piece of movement, ballet or hip-hop or jazz, and mm-hmm. it's just this, like, you're left with literal goosebumps around your whole body. So I can only imagine what it's like when you're in it. It's, it must be so incredible. Yeah, and it's so, like cyclical because like as a performer and as a dancer the more that I can feel that either like my audience or my students or whoever is feeling what I'm feeling the more it like pours gasoline on me to like feel what I'm feeling even more and it just becomes like this really like symbiotic kind of experience and it's the best you legit connect with one with your whole environment yeah and I will say that it's it's not an easy feeling to get like as many highs as I've had as a performer I've had lows I've had times where I've been on stage and I've been like falling tears of like anger or like frustration with either a conversation or like maybe I'm heartbroken or maybe I can just tell the audience is not here for it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm having to like work extra hard to generate some degree of enthusiasm within me. And it's, it's faking it. And that inauthenticity as a performer is a fight. It's a battle. And it, it can lead to some really icky lows after some performances or even some classes for sure. Yeah. And then your, your, that funk is just around you. Yeah. All the time. It, it kind of, it can taint your relationship with your art. If yeah. you have too many of those experiences in a row, especially if they're wrapped up in like, I have to perform because I need to pay my rent. But by performing, I'm like selling a piece of my soul to an audience that doesn't care. It, and I'm having to do that extra labor to like be really present and create this energy that they're not giving me. That can be really draining as an artist. And I don't think dancers talk about that as a reality enough, especially when you, you become a professional dancer and you're making mm-hmm. money off of dance. I don't think we talk about that enough. So, And which I think it, it definitely in the community that you've built, it needs to, because you're going through the same things. Mm-hmm. And it's just that, no, everything's fine. I can do it. I can, but really, like... 
There are days you can't. There's days that you can't. And it's like, you can have that statement leave your mouth where you can be like, everything's fine. I can do it. But you need to have that space to talk about how it wasn't fine and how it was hard to do and how, okay, in the future, can I do it again? Or is that my boundary as a performer? Because a lot of performers don't get the opportunity to set boundaries Mm -hmm. with their work because work is, is so minimal and it's so competitive. And if you say no, there's probably 20 dancers that will say yes, but you wish that those 20 dancers would also say no with you, depending on how that event may cross a line or may be problematic. Because, like, my values may be different than dancer over here, but, Mm -hmm. yeah, it really really depends. Dance and running a business takes a toll on you personally, emotionally, physically, and mentally. In the days where you're, like, like we just said, I don't know if I can do this. Can I get up on that stage? Is the person who is with me in my everyday, like, how am I affecting our relationship? Like, how, how do you get to a point where you're like, no, fuck it. I got this. I own my shit. I know I can do this. Like, how do you, every day is different. How are, how do you get to the point where you're like, okay, I need to talk about this. I need to say what's on my mind. I need Mm -hmm. to overcome it and get on that stage. I feel like the answer that I would have for you now is so different than the answer I would have had for you for a few years ago. Um, I think to start that over the years, I have really refined what my values are, what my limits are, and what my boundaries are. And I have done so many different types of gigs and so many different types of performances that I really know now what works for me and what doesn't, but I still, I still make mistakes from time to time and I take a gig and the closer it gets, the more I feel that sticky ickiness creep in. I'm like, why did I do this? Why did I take this event? Why am I doing this gig? This isn't what I want to do. Like, this does not, um, and every time it's different. Sometimes I'm literally like dragging my feet until I'm up on that stage. And then as soon as my body starts moving, I'm like, yeah, okay. All right. And I just succumb and I'm like, okay, I'm here. I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to have gratitude. Do you feel like you're going through the motions sometimes? Yes. Oh yeah. When I was dancing in casinos and nightclubs, oh gosh, there were nights where it was like literally pulling teeth for me to even start my stage makeup. And I'd be backstage and I'd just be rolling my eyes and I'd be like, why am I doing this? But then by the end of the night, I always felt like not always, but I say 90% of the time I felt good because of endorphins, right? Mm-hmm. You through your body, you're releasing endorphins, so you yeah. feel nice. But now I, I'm definitely more selective about the gigs I'll take. I Now I really realize that, like, my dance journey doesn't need to be, like, Betty's dance journey or Joe's dance journey or Bob's dance journey. It's like we all as dancers – are able to create our own pathways Mm -hmm. and really curate the opportunities that we want if we want them bad enough. It's just sometimes that requires saying no and realizing that by saying no, you might be losing out on a connection or you might be losing out on a future gig with that person. But if that gig does not make your heart sing, is it worth the like hundred bucks or the 200 bucks if you're then leaving that gig and you're like, meh, 
right? Yeah. So it's it's tough. And then I guess to answer your question, like, absolutely, this has affected my, like, romantic relationships and my friendships tenfold. Tenfold. Yeah. Um, my partner right now has, has had to sit me down on multiple occasions and been like, okay, so what did we learn? Yeah. What are we not going to do? Yeah. Like, what are we going to celebrate? Okay. What are we, yeah. like, they've, they've helped me ask those hard questions after events yeah. to really, like, create kind of a new filter, mm-hmm. like a filtration system for myself when, like, yeah. opportunities come my way where I'm like, yes, nope, ah, sure, uh, maybe, I don't know yet, I need to ask more yeah. questions. They've really helped me with the right questions to ask, but I've absolutely had past relationships suffer and even end from um, even just a general, like, lack of self-esteem and, like, like a melancholy that can develop when you're very similar to like, if you're in a nine to five that you hate, you can be an artist and like be working to make money and pay your bills and hate what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But it, again, it hits different because it's so directly connected to your art and your identity and your soul. Mm -hmm. And yeah, anyone that said like, Hey, let's take this hobby and make a a commodity and like sell it and package it. Like that's a great idea. They were wrong. (laughs) They were just wrong. Not let's, always, but sometimes. Let's do a dream board. Okay, now let's do a spreadsheet. Let's think of the practicality. Of... Yeah. Yeah. It's. I think my bottom line, like, wrap-up comment for that is, like, you still, whatever your art is, if it becomes your hustle, you still need to have part of that art that's just yours. And that's balance. And, again, this is something that dancers aren't often taught. Yeah. That, like... Yes, you want to be professional. Yes, you want to be on stage with artists. Yes, you want to pursue, pursue. It's like always yes and, yes and, yes and. But then it's like, okay, but where's the space that you're carving out for just yourself? It's almost going back to why did I start it? What's your why? What's, What's your, your purpose? Why? What what made you happy in the beginning? And mm-hmm. how am I going to get to where I started? How am I going to get back to that? I love it. Because yeah. this little piece was mine. This is yeah. my this is my essence. This is my being of what I am doing. And you have to have that conversation with yourself. Like I honestly would say like four times a year, three or four times a year, like every quarter, it's like, okay, how we doing? Like, are we okay? Have we made enough time for, for us as an artist? Or are we just grinding? Yeah. And are we grinding because we feel like we have to? Yeah. It's, I, I personally did not start doing those check-ins until probably the last two years. And I, I suffered a lot. Yeah. If you ask the people closest to me, like they watched me, I think of my soul as like a pizza and they watched me like slice my soul up into slices that got smaller and smaller and smaller. And I was just giving them away. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. I maybe had like one piece of pepperoni left for me. Yeah. And I was like, Oh this is not going to work. This, I'm hungry still. I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so unsatisfied. And this yeah. one piece of pepperoni is not going to be enough. No. So, like, quarterly check-ins, no yes. matter what your art is. Yeah. reminding yourself of your why. We are always looking for inspiration every day. Who inspires the hustler of Larissa? The people that inspire the hustle in me are probably not the people that you think. Um... I find myself inspired by people who live their lives, like, fearlessly. 
with so much courage and like courage to just be themselves because being authentic in a really inauthentic, like capitalist driven world is hard. And I look to people who use their voices and don't back down. Um, honestly, it's going to sound so crazy, but like, um, Rachel Notley and like Janice Irwin and everybody in the NDP here, those women keep me going. Watching them do the work that they do in this very blue <laughs> province makes me be like, okay, well, they're not backing down and they are fighting like the good fight against like patriarchy and misogyny yes. and all of these things at the biggest level. Like, and here I am like wanting to like back down from like pushing my business a little bit further like okay like get it together yeah. um I have a couple of friends who are like Twitter warriors that just don't ever quiet their voices they don't care how many comments and like negativity that they get mm -hmm. they will get into Facebook fights till they're blue in the face if it's like for social justice those people keep me going because those people are fighting a fight that is so deeply personal and that stings every day. And it makes me reset my own perspective of my own struggles as being an entrepreneur in an industry that honestly kind of perpetuates some shitty things and I'm well yeah. aware of it. So <laughs> it's, it's that, that makes me want to do better. That mm -hmm. makes me want to keep leveling up and that makes me want to not quit and yeah. like, put myself in my little burrito on my couch, yeah. you know? Well, because we have these voices and, you know, we'd be amiss if we didn't use them. And that's, that's the thing. And it's, it's, I know for me, like my, my thing always is, or used to always be that if I felt, if I felt pushed or if I felt like I was told to be quiet, I would be. And to the point that I would like freeze, you know, the mm -hmm. whole like fight freeze. I was a freezer and I would just go silent. And yeah. people might, people who know me might think that's funny because they see me as like this really outspoken, opinionated, blunt person. But mm -hmm. certain things would trigger this response in me where I would just go silent. Mm -hmm. And that still happens from time to time where I just go silent. And it's one of the things I dislike the most about myself. But it's one of the things that I feel like I'm actively working on myself is to just use my voice yeah. and use my visibility and my privilege and my representation to speak and just speak fearlessly, courageously and wear all of the rainbows. And, <laughs> you know, so yeah, that, that is what it inspires me to keep hustling. And it's, it sounds silly. I don't, I don't necessarily look up to like business women or to like politicians or successful people. It's like, I look up to the people who are like, in fighting every day the so. real people that are using their platform to say what they need to say for the people around them mm -hmm. much like you starting a company for your community mm -hmm. it's helping those that are in your backyard mm -hmm. at first yeah because if we can help those in our backyard first then we can go to the world exactly and we need to you know start somewhere and have this strong foundation yeah and that I really, truly believe that when you do that, that that's when money comes in a, in a strange way. It's like by building community and like 
working symbiotically with people within your community, that's when you start to support each other, like emotionally, spiritually, physically, and financially. And it doesn't necessarily need to be like, what can I like scale? What can I turn into commodity? How can I grow and expand and grow and expand? It's like, well, then you get so big that it's like the soul gets diluted. And it's, I, I think personally, I'm okay with being a little bit of a smaller fish and having things kept a little bit more intimately. If that means that at least for now that I can really do good and leave a positive impact. If I benefit from it financially, great. If I don't, I don't really care. Yeah. So you used your voice to say what needed to be said and hopefully it changed the lives of someone, if not many. I mean, every interaction that you have with any person could really change the course of their lives. Like, I think that's one thing, again, as like a dance educator, as a leader, that you're never really outwardly taught, or at least I never was, but I learned from experience of how deeply I was traumatized and negatively impacted by passing interactions from people that I worked for, Mm -hmm. how badly it made me feel about myself. And that really sparked this thought in me. It's like, okay, if I'm going to leave any kind of a legacy is that I really want to work hard to ensure that the people around me feel good about themselves and are empowered in some kind of a way. And it's not always going to be perfect. And I've absolutely made mistakes, but it's, that has been like one of my kind of guiding things in my own. Yeah. And my own hustle has been like, okay, how can I leave a little bit of good in the world and leave, leave people a little bit better than when I found them. So being in the entertainment industry for 20 plus years, you've seen your physical body change to become stronger and able to withstand the stamina of dance. But along with that comes society's position that some people think that they have the right to speak on how you should look, what your costumes should look like, and even gender norms. It definitely takes a toll on you mentally and emotionally. What has that frustration been like for you? I mean, my earliest memories of being like a professional working dancer or other people there was always the expectation to be thin and to be fit and to fit small costumes. I remember even modeling when I was 13, 14, 15, 16, agents were like, oh, well, you need to quit dance. Like it's making your leg muscles too big. Or, oh, well, you need to be a size two or your hips need to be like a a 29. And they're not that. Hearing that messaging that young, it's not good at all. And then in my 20s, I absolutely had um, disordered eating, for sure. Um, They call it the fit fam, but more often than not, it's the spend way too much time and energy and attention on what your body looks like and what you put into your body. And that was it for me. There was way too much exercise, definitely not enough calories, and um, so really bad body dysmorphia I would look in the mirror and see my body as one thing but I look back at photos now and I'm like oh my gosh I'm so mean to myself so mean to myself um now at 31 I look back on those days and I feel a lot of sadness for myself and a lot of empathy and I've definitely had to do my fair share of like grieving and mourning for my mental health during those times. Um, I also look at the entertainment world and the world of Instagram. And now that we have, you know, Facetune and Photoshop and all of these things, it, 
I worry and I, I have a lot of concern for the younger generation, for sure. Um, I do really wish that more people within the entertainment world would elevate different bodies. Um, we talked about this earlier, but like Lizzo going out of her way to literally like cast dancers that relatively did not have like professional experience because she was not finding the bodies that she wanted to put on stage through unions, through agencies. Like that says something. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Even modeling New York fashion week and just the idea of, it's so crazy, but the idea of having different bodies shouldn't be crazy. Your excuse of the material is expensive is a, the dumbest excuse I've ever heard in my, oh my whole gosh. entire life. That is literally, I know dance troops that exist, even in this city, that have it in their contracts where if you don't fit the costume, you lose your job. In 2020, like, this is still a thing that happens. And, like, great example, um, RuPaul's Drag Race, the Cannabis Drag Race, they literally now, after how many seasons they've done, they finally had their first plus-size pit crew member. Their so, first. Yeah. Their first plus-size pit crew member. Yes, they've had, like, like a wide variety of, um, of ethnicities and body types of their queens, but their pit crew, this glorified, greased-up model, you've, ne- you've never seen anything other than a six-pack up until, like, one of the most recent episodes of the Canadian's Drag Race. And this man looks just like a normal man. And they're saying he's a plus-size model. And I'm just sitting here being like, this is a a very large can of worms, and I feel like we could talk about it for an entire episode. But I think just when it comes to the dance world, one thing that I'm noticing with the current generation is that there's not a lot of conversation about um, injury prevention. And when you're looking at all different body types, that is the number one thing that has to be taken into consideration for not just athletic body types, all body types. And a lot of teachers don't understand that. So you get sometimes beginner dancers coming into dance classes, slapping on a pair of heels, moving their bodies and they don't possess the deep core strength, back strength, knee strength to stabilize their bodies. And it's like there you see people just desperately wanting to be active and to feel sexy and feel good and empowered in their bodies Mm -hmm. and to move. And then they hurt themselves and then they're out for a year. And it's just snap of your ankle. And that is and that's it. it. And, and honestly, sometimes it's even more sub- subtle than that. Sometimes it's um, hypermobility that's not addressed. Sometimes it's just a tweak of a knee that then you feel for the next 30 years. Yeah. But because dancers are just taught to say yes and, and to not ask questions, you see it in the beginner world. You see it in the professional world. And ultimately, we have to start elevating all types of people and giving them opportunities to embrace art and show themselves. But we also have to teach everybody how to do it safely Mm -hmm. because I, I am somebody who has been injured so many times. And the fact that I can still dance the way I do blows my mind every time I move my body. But like I took a class today. Am I going to be in agony for the next week? Yeah. I'll be in agony until the next class that I take. (laughs) And a lot of that comes from not getting proper 
injury prevention in, like instilled in me from a young age. You are all still sexy, dancing in your bare feet, and knowing your limits. Yeah, know your limits, stay within them. And if any teacher ever tries to tell you differently, tell them to go away. <laughs> go away. <laughs> go away. In a time that we are now, a crazy, crazy-ass time in 2020, <laughs> um, in one way or another, it has allowed everyone to reflect on what they want for their lives, either personally or professionally. It has allowed for those who want to grow learn and have open conversations the ability to do so and explore their values and what is important i know for myself it's definitely taught me more patience and a lot of self-love it reassures me especially as a visible minority in a society or and well city that Mm -hmm. i live in that uh people might not understand me it's been like that my whole life but reminding myself that I have a voice in this world and taking pride in building and having something for myself and for the people in my future, building something I am proud of and inclusive of all people, mm-hmm. because like hustle, love is also universal. I saw on your business social media page around a statement that you guys, we will do better. For myself, being better is a constant piece of work on ourselves and we, where we want to go in life and in business, and it is not linear. There are huge hurdles, and you'll go up and down and lose your shoes, but you'll yeah. get there eventually. But for you, where did the drive of we will do better come from, especially being in this industry for as long as you have? Um, I mean, it started with Me Too. It moved into BLM. It me coming out as a queer woman in the last two years, there's been a lot of people awakening all around. And I know I've been one of those people that has gone through awakening after awakening. And I have spent the last big chunk of my, maybe the last year, unlearning so much that has just been indoctrinated into me from every angle, culture, like media, music, parents, family, school, all of these things perpetuated so many problematic things within our world. (laughs) I'm going to say things because I feel like it needs to be an all-encompassing thing. And so within my own business, I... To be honest, like, it's been something within the last three or four years, especially, that I've kind of stepped outside of my bubble, and I looked in, and I was like, mm, something's not right. But when, you know, your rent is due, and, you know, you've got clients blowing up your inbox, you have deadlines, you have all of these people around you who their rent is also due based on the work that you do. I did not have the time or space to go hold up everyone. We need to recalibrate what our why is. Um, and I think we're still recalibrating that. Um, that statement was drafted due to a conversation that I had with my team where I explicitly said, There are certain things that I will no longer participate in and stand for. And if this company is going to 
I can't be here. And one of the biggest things on that list was bodies and that we need to, as a company, start elevating all kinds of bodies, whether it even just be creating safe spaces for education, for dance, where all types of people feel safe within the rooms that we curate. For a long time, we had a very exclusive space because we had a very small roster of dancers because we never wanted it to be like, join our company and all of a sudden you're going to get all this work because that's not realistic, especially in a city like Edmonton where there's not a lot of work to go around. So we kept things very inclusive. And to be honest, it was also more manageable for me and my own mental health and everything that I had going on. I knew that I couldn't scale at those at that time to do everything that I wanted to do. I had to keep within my wheelhouse. And that was just a small, intimate team of people that I got to know closely and that I could train with every week. And there was never the outright, like, if you are of a larger body, you can't be here. But larger bodies never came. And I know why they didn't now. And that's because they didn't see themselves in our space. And I have a lot of shame and a lot of guilt for that. And I could have done better in being more active and connecting more with women within the city that I know want to dance and I know that want to learn and I know want to freestyle and improv and dance and heels, but I stayed small and moving forward. I know that if I'm to continue doing what we're doing in events and experiential marketing, experiential marketing and entertainment, I have to think bigger and I have to make more seats at the table for more types of people to feel safe within what we're doing. And it also, there's going to be a certain amount of like re-education and unlearning for our client base. Because again, we live in such a blue province that is so, there's so much patriarchy and misogyny just embedded and heteronormativity just embedded in everything that we do. And I'm not okay with any of that. And I, I haven't been okay with any of that, but I've been complicit and I'm well aware of my complicity and I'm working through it and I'm doing everything I can to unlearn and relearn a new way of doing things. But again, to go back to like those who inspire my hustle, it's, I have to work towards being more, like more fearless with my own voice. And I also have to work towards being a little bit more creative with the opportunities and education that I facilitate. And I don't necessarily know if I even want to step back into the role of a leader until I find my sure footing in being able to do that right. Mm -hmm. Because my community is so much larger than me now. Right. And I want that community to grow even more. Yeah. And I don't want to make mistakes and I don't want to impact anybody negatively in the ways that I've been impacted. Mm -hmm. So COVID as messed up as it's been, it's also been a blessing because it's given me the space and the time to unpack all of these things and know kind of what I want to do moving forward. But it's the, just how am I going to do it? Absolutely. I'm still working through that yeah. because I can do all of the unlearning and unpacking and relearning that I want, but I also need a lot of things around me to do the same. Mm -hmm. And I'm hopeful that 
other people are doing the same things that I'm doing. Because if we right. come out of this and clients are coming to me with the same requests that they had three years ago, I'm going to kick them to the curb. Yeah. And I don't really care if it affects my income. Having this time of COVID and Black Lives Matter where you think hell is going in a handbasket <laughs> and we'll see it later, it, the positive thing about it is the reflection that mm-hmm. I think we've all been able to do. And it's kind of a beautiful thing when you think about it and when we come out of it. It's one big giant time's up. Yeah. And I think that, at least from my own personal experience, like I can look back on decisions that I've made and pathways that I've taken and I can have remorse and regret and shame for certain things that I've been complicit within. However... Sometimes you have to do something that you think is okay to realize that it's not. For me, it was like I had to chase my wildest dream of dancing on stages all over the world to realize that that dream had variables that went against everything that I believed in. I had to own a business that provided very specific looking staff for very particular clients to know that I didn't feel okay with that. And I, there are certain lessons that I think have taken me way too long to learn. But again, sometimes you have to have everything come to a grinding halt to finally have the space to go, time's up. And I don't want to get back on that train. I don't want to keep greasing this wheel. Like I have to shift And that is very much where I'm at with my business, with myself, with even reevaluating my own values. We'll get there. We will. will. (laughs) Speaking of which, what is the mark you want to leave on this world and those around you? Um, I think for me, for the longest time, my why was I don't want anyone to feel the way that I was made to feel. I don't want to feel like I'm only valuable because I'm thin and white and attractive and fuckable. Really. I don't want to feel like I'm disposable. I don't want to feel like a robot. I want to be seen as this like living, breathing human with emotions and opinions that are all valid because it's my reality. So for a long time, I confused service with sacrifice because I acted from that lens of I need to protect everybody. I need to give everybody all the opportunities. I need to make sure they have a good time. But I didn't stop and check in with myself and go, but are you having a good time? Mm -hmm. Are you okay here? So I think the mark that I want to leave on the world is at least the people that I come across is that it's okay to feel you are entitled to feel however you want to feel that human rights are not an opinion period. And somebody's lifestyle does not need to be your lifestyle, but they need to have every right to live their life in the same way that you do. As long as it is, in a safe, healthy, protective way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I think that I just want like women and femme presenting people in particular 
to do what they want to do, however that may be, and not act and behave because they feel that that's what they need to do based on what their parents told them, based on what the men around them have told them, based on whatever partners that they've had. I want women to just act fearlessly and courageously and to take risks and to put themselves out there and move their damn bodies and be proud of everything that they've been given and to be grateful for everything that they've been given. Um, I know though, in order to leave that legacy, I have to model that legacy. What are your top five songs? This one's always going to trump everybody. No, you know what? I wrote this one down <laughs> because you let me know you were going to ask me. And I was like, okay, I got to plan this. Um, I love all kinds of music. Yeah. Um, and for me, my favorite thing is when I hear a song. It's like closing my eyes and visualizing the kind of movement I see to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, I, I was able to narrow it down to six. I, That's I fine. Six. Okay. Um, Otis Redding, Try a Little Tenderness oh, is probably one of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah. Um, Frankie Valli's Can't Take My Eyes Off of You. Oh. Um, <laughs> which is such a cheesy, corny, like awful song, but like I'm embarrassed at how frequently I sing that song. <laughs> I love you, babe. Um, I have Purple Disco Machine, Love for Days, which is a kind of disco sounding electronic track and the vocals on it just like literally make me feel so joyful. Oh, good. Um, I have Ziggy Albert's Days in the Sun. Um, I discovered Ziggy Albert's when I was traveling through Central America. My One of my doormates was playing his music when she was packing to leave and it, there's just something about the way he sings and the lyrics that he writes and it's folk music, but I literally like visualize house dancing to it sometimes and like tap dancing and like lyrical or contemporary. And like, sometimes I'll just like wake up in the morning and I'll just throw on like one of my Ziggy records and I'll just flail around my living room so (laughs) hard. And I'm so happy nobody has ever seen that. But yeah, Ziggy Albert's fan. I, or one of the songs in particular that really speaks to me, the hundred letters, um, Halsey was one of the first, like, openly bisexual pop artists that, like, really got on my radar, and her music really, like, allowed me to feel safe in my sexuality, so. That's amazing. Yeah. So those are my, like, sips. <laughs> Guys, music speaks volumes. Does it ever. It'll open every emotion and make you just reevaluate everything in your life, I feel. Yeah, yeah, it really does, and I think that's why I love like improving and freestyling so much because it's the boundaries just don't really exist. Yeah, and like there's ways to be a great like aesthetically pleasing freestyler, but freestyling is just like such a personal connection with yourself, with dance, and with music. And yeah. there's just, like, nothing. What advice would you give to entrepreneurs starting out? Be prepared to have to go with the flow. Because things will come up organically, like new pathways and new opportunities and changes. And it's not a bad thing to take them. Even if it doesn't fit your original vision... 
it's not a bad thing to just try embracing the things that are smoothly coming your mm-hmm. way. I think a lot of times business owners get this idea in their head that like their business needs to be exactly how they envision it. But I guarantee you there's going to be many things in your initial business plan that are not going to work, that are going to be inefficient and be ineffective. And the sooner you can like let go of ego, acknowledge the things that don't work and just adjust the better, like fail fast and pivot fast and just try Keep throwing spaghetti at the wall until you find spaghetti that sticks. Yeah. That's always been my expression. And also, keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. When in doubt, keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Don't overcomplicate it. No. It's just <laughs> eggs, sugar, milk, and flour. That is all that you need. Done. <laughs> Where can people find information on if they want to take online classes? Um, the easiest thing to do would be following... Um, at Rhythm Effects or at RFX Collective or at um, Larissa Coba. Um, our website is rhythmeffects.ca and we update it pretty frequently. Um, right now, all of our classes are virtual and they're hosted on Zoom and we just have them up on Eventbrite. Um, currently figuring out what classes are going to look like <laughs> over the next couple of weeks, but um, stuff will be up soon. Yes. <laughs> I will add everything into the description of the episode. Amazing. Thank you, Larissa, for sitting down with me and having this conversation. Of course, like most of my conversations, we can go on for hours about everything that is wrong with everything. Yeah. And the learnings <laughs> that we've had in the last 20 years of our lives. Yes. Growing into the people and the women that we are. And mm. It's a sight to see. And you guys would be a miss to miss it for sure. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to What's Your Hustle, created, produced, and hosted by yours truly, Halima Hussein. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at What's Your Hustle Podcast. Subscribe, listen, rate, review on Apple Podcasts. Follow on Spotify, as well as anywhere else you stream podcasts. And until next time, whatever your hustle is, you got this.